It's somewhat, it's pretty, it's back to school time, huh? It's not what I'm preaching about, but at the end of this message, we're going to do a big prayer for everyone involved in the school system, student, faculty, staff, teachers, and all this. I'm going to back up just a hair so I don't spit on Bethany or Anna. It's possible. I get a little excited sometimes. Um, I'm going to read something to y'all real quick as an encouragement. Does anyone remember Andrew Green? Yeah? The bearded one. Was he part of RFC when he went on that trip? He was, right? Yeah. Okay. So if, you, if y'all remember, he came, how many years? Has it been several years ago? Something like that? And we took up a donation. He was taking up the money to go on a trip. And he sent me a message this week. Uh, honestly, I'd entirely forgotten that we had done that for him. Uh, hadn't forgotten Andrew, but I just hadn't really thought much about that. So he says, hey, John, it's been a while since we have last talked, but I really felt like I needed to share something. And he gave me his permission to share this. I'm not sure if you remember, but in 2017, so there you go. Five, that's five years ago. Wow. Stones River helped support me on a mission trip to Africa. It was such a huge blessing to be supported by a church that didn't even know me, but just felt the call. I returned two months later and spoke briefly about what I had experienced in Africa, which he did, if you all remember that. Public speaking has never been a strength of mine, and I've always felt like I didn't do the trip justice with what I shared. So that, okay. One moment I didn't share was a conversation I had with one of the missionaries there. Frustrated that I had graduated with a degree, but had no real direction in life or plan how to use the degree. None of us know what that feels like. I don't... <laughs> Some of us are still trying to figure it out. (laughs) She suggested I look into social work and I could treat whatever area I worked in like a mission field. It took me a while to accept that, but eventually I found a job in that field. Fast forward to 2022, I want to share that I found my career and passion. I have been given opportunities to help so many families dealing with really difficult moments. I have seen families struggle through fostering only to fall in love with the kids and adopt them. I get the chance every day to show Christ to people and love them. And I rarely have to do public speaking, although I'm getting more confident uh, to do so. He wanted me to share that with you all. Pretty awesome, huh? So cool. It's just one of those things where you just don't realize how big of a difference that you know you can make with I'll put my phone up here. Uh, with a little financial donation, a little encouragement and support and stuff like that to see a trajectory of a young man's. Because I remember he was really struggling with what to do. Because I had some conversations. He was like, I don't know what to do. Or he thought he wouldn't want to do something and then be like, so it was just, it's just amazing. So, woohoo! Thank you, Stones River. That's pretty exciting, huh? Yep. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Amen. Thank you, Father. So, on the note of being excited, let's talk about failure today. There was no cheers for that one, huh? Woohoo! I think maybe if we get a new perspective on what failure is, then maybe we might be a little more excited or at least maybe embrace it. Not that we want failure to constantly happen, but recognize that we can grow from it. So I titled today's sermon, I changed it a little bit, Conflict, Failure, and Participating in God's Mission. And what brought it about 
was us recognizing, guess what? School's about to start. We've kind of had this restful time and reflection time and internal time. And um, yeah, we're going to get back to work. I think we did some stuff over the summer, but really kind of get back at it. And inevitably, 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 yes, I did it right. It's just weird when you talk in front of people, you know, like sometimes things just, of course, I make up words all the time, don't I, babe? Inevitably, nope, just without a doubt. Let's just, let's just go there. <laughs> Should have just said that one in the first place. <laughs> There's going to be moments where failure happens. Anytime that we, anytime anyone tries to accomplish anything at life, right? Like, you've never, we've never heard of someone being a success at anything that said, well, it just, yeah, it was easy. No problems. And participating in God's mission is just like that. In fact, we'll look at some stories this morning, but the Bible is full. I mean, Scripture's full. I can just open a page and go, and we can read a story about somebody, a man, a woman, the people of God overcoming challenges and, and conflicts and, and screwing up and God still extending the grace and allowing them to grow from that and to learn. So let's talk about it this morning. What do you think? I've, uh, the more I'm around, I've been around people who I feel like have accomplished and, and, and met some of their goals and accomplished things in life, the more I recognize they've learned to learn from failure rather than allow it to paralyze them. So I've heard some statements like, I had a, someone I knew that lost quite a bit of money in an investment said, well, that was an expensive lesson, but I learned a lesson. And like that stuck with me because I realized I can look at it in that scenario as, woe is me, my life is falling apart and I just lost all this money. Or I can go, all right, cool, I can learn from it and I can be ready to go forward. And I think that that's what God would have us to do. I think that he would have us to learn and to grow and to move forward. So as we do things at Mitchell Nielsen or with Julie in the shed out there and all these things, there's going to be screw-ups. There's going to be conflict. The enemy's not just going to roll over and give us Mitchell Nielsen, right? Like, oh, sure, I'm so scared of you guys, you know? Like, there's going to be conflict. There'll be things that will pop up, things that will happen. And our response to that is, is just of vital importance. I really, really believe that. Because I believe oh, it just too often, too often we allow fear to paralyze us from moving forward or failures or past mistakes. Go back. Let me go out a little bit there. Okay. Failure, failures or past mistakes to stop us, to go, man, that was really hard putting my heart out like that. That was really hard doing X, Y, or Z. So I'm just going to stop. Get ready for the next slide. Go for it, guys. It's happening. It's happening. I sit, I sit. <laughs> so that's, oh, that's right. Lord of the Rings again. I forgot. Sean Ashton played. Oh my gosh. I sent a message to a high school friend who we used to chant Rudy in the hallways. And I said, by the way, I'm incorporating Rudy into my sermon. I'm secretly hoping that a Rudy chant breaks out when I show the picture. He's out of the country. He said, I would come to your church and plant in the back and start it. So you all made my day. So sermon's over. Um, I'm happy. <laughs> Success. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the reason, who's seen this movie? Wow. That's a lot of people who've seen it. If you haven't seen it, it's really, really good. I love this movie. In this movie, 
we have a young man that doesn't make great grades. A young man that's undersized, but has this desire to go play football for Notre Dame, which is, I mean, they were serious. They're good. They're really good right now, but very, very good. And we as humans, I think, as we watch this story, connect so deeply as we root for this extreme underdog to go to a small college to get his grades up to finally he gets into Notre Dame, but guess what? Like, doesn't mean he's going to make the football team, right? I don't want to spoil this, but I'm just going to say it because most of us have seen it, right? To, to making the team, unbelievably making the team, to he has to play one play to get his name in the roster, to be down in history as a Notre Dame football player. And this is, the story is relatively true, but not this part. He actually, I don't want to spoil it for y'all, but he did have like another year after that or something in real life. But in the movie, the final play goes in and he sacks the guy. And I'm not going to lie, like, I'm like crying the first time I watched that movie. <laughs> I'm a young man, a teenager or something. I don't know what I was. And I'm man, I just, go Rudy, go Rudy. But I show this because this is almost every story that's worth listening to or worth reading, worth watching is there's this story, there's a human connection with us seeing men and women have things that they are trying to accomplish. Go through conflicts. Screwing things up. A movie would be terrible, or a book would be terrible if just there was no problems. And I'm saying this to say, it connects with us. I feel like God has put that in, and we go, yes, because God desires. Bruce was talking about the <laughs> how awful the situation that we're in is, is and how God desires, I think, to bring us th- through periods of growth. He desires for us to, to overcome. He desires for us to screw up, but he doesn't desire for us to screw up. He desires for us to learn from our mistakes. And that's why we read these stories and we go, yes, yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, sometimes we like to read about them and reading about them is a whole lot more exciting than actually going through them. What do you think? <clears throat> and oftentimes, because going through them is a whole lot harder, we don't risk it. We kind of become like the person in the parable that takes his talent and instead of trying, goes, man, man, that master's hard. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to sit on the couch. And I'm going I'm to hide it, and I'm not going to do anything. And I want to encourage us, if that's been us, any of us here, I'm going to encourage us to take, let's take some risks. I'm not saying to be unwise. I'm not saying that us as Stones River and us as individuals should just go and go and do anything that we, comes into our mind. But through prayer, through wisdom, fasting even, seeking and going, okay, I believe this is what God's calling us to because God always calls us to things that, it requires some risk. It may be your heart <laughs> that you're giving to a relationship. It may be your time that you're giving, and the risk is, man, I'm just wasting my time or whatever that may be. But it always requires these things. So I'll ask us as we look at four quick stories, I'm going to ask, what will our story be? We've had story. We've had God has used stones to ever do some incredible things. So moving forward, what will our story continue to be? What will it be? In the next five years, I'm not saying we have to plan out, God's going to do this, 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 but will it be a story of us going for it? 
even if we fail, even if we screw up, it'll be a story of us seeing some great things like Andrew, you know, that come about. Will it be a story of some broken people being healed, being restored? Maybe some people falling in love with Jesus, being disciples. Maybe they begin to participate with us or they participate in their neighborhoods or participate in their workplaces and there's a place for us to encourage them, us to do that and to coach them along. I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing. But it, you know, there'll be some failures. There'll be some different things along the way. So let's consider first, next slide, the kind of Rudy of the Bible, Joseph. I mean, except for Joseph was actually skilled. He was good looking. I, I found this picture, and I think that Joseph looks like Michael J. Fox. That's, so that's, I saw all these pictures of Potiphar's wife and Joseph, and I was like, Marty? Did he go back? That's what happened. Jonah, you think? Those are, those are Jonah's favorite movies. Back to the future. So now we know what happened. <laughs> I'm gonna have to contain myself or like re. Okay, let's get this, let's get back on track. That just that hit me. That was the best joke I've told ever. Anyways, all right. Yeah, the, Bethany likes how when I ran into the pillar over there as the best joke I've told. Dang. Well, oh, alrighty. So we're not going to go through the whole Joseph story, but I do want us to think about this. I want us to remember that Joseph is sold into slavery, and how how awful would that be? I mean, I can't even like I can't pretend to imagine that if my brother and sister <laughs> had gotten frustrated with me and literally sold me, that would be. I have no idea. Some of us can imagine that, I guess. Maybe our siblings we're not as close. But I can't imagine. Finds himself in Egypt in this guy named Potiphar's home. And it's kind of like a a rags to riches story. Like Potiphar lets him in charge of some things. He excels. He's doing great. Potiphar lets him in charge of more and more and more. Until ultimately at the end, not the end, or at the end of this part of the story, he's, you know, the CEO of Potiphar's household. You know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about what does this look like in today's culture, and I kind of thought, like, imagine something happens, and we, you know, have to take, uh, we take an entry-level position. Like, I remember in sales, what did I do? I had to call and cold call. That was not fun. Cold call and fax information, you know, that's what I did over and over and over and over again. Keep up with all my numbers. It's real grunt work. But... In this story, it would be like us doing that and us getting promoted and maybe being a manager or outside sales like I did, maybe a vice president, maybe a president, then all of a sudden you find yourself as a CEO and the owner trusts you completely. And then you're on top of the world. And then the owner's spouse thinks you're really good looking. Michael Jay's not too bad. But thinks you're good looking and he or she, I guess depending on who you are in this story, it's like, I want to sleep with you. <laughs> and I think about this like being in that situation. There has to be, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Joseph is a, is a man. He's a person, right? Like, I wonder if he ever thought, dang, nope, can't do that. He didn't want to sin against Potiphar. He didn't want to sin against God. 
So not only he turns her down repeatedly. So imagine repeated attempts, and you happen to repeatedly go, no, I, I cannot do that. Until one night, you know, you're working in your office, and he or she's in their office, and it's, you're all alone. And they just go, it's time, baby. And you go, oh, gosh, i got to get out of here. <laughs> you flee. They you know, grab your coat and then go tell their spouse that you, know, you try to fill in the blank. You know? I guess in this world, in this day and age, just doing that wouldn't get you thrown in jail probably. But imagine they lie about you stealing company funds or something like that into where you end up in prison. What are you saying to God at that moment? In that time, what are you thinking? God, I got sold to slavery. Now I'm being lied upon this. Now I'm sitting in prison. What do you, what, what's going on? See, the situation that Joseph was in, this conflict, the seeming failure at the moment, wasn't Joseph's fault. Maybe he should have told his dream different, whatever, but ultimately, I mean, overall, it wasn't really his fault. And that's the first type of failure I want to talk about. Failures and conflicts aren't always our faults, and they can come against us, and we can find ourselves in situations that stink. Have you ever, I mean, does anyone feel me here? I mean, even if we do deep self-reflection, there's times where we're like, man, there's really nothing I could do much about that. For us control freaks, we want to feel like, or us, we get all worked up, like, yes, I should have done that different. Maybe I should have said it this way. Maybe I should have, anyone, anyone like me like that, I'll be evaluating, like, yeah, but if I only said it this way, then this would have happened. If I only would have, you know, just told the story this way, if maybe I would have told Potiphar ahead of time. And, but ultimately, really, it was Potiphar's wife that did this. So there may be places, personally and on our journey, where things might just happen. We might schedule a budgeting class, meet a bunch of people, pass out flyers, whatever. We just do everything, and nobody shows up. <laughs> it's okay. Like, what do we do? Do we go, well, I guess we don't need to try to be on mission with what God wants us to do. Or do we say, all right, Lord, are we hearing you right? Like, let's listen to the Lord. Let's, you know, continue to move forward. Imagine a scenario where there's a law that says we can't work with Mitchell Nielsen because we're a church. Well, we do right? The thing I love about Joseph is finding himself in prison, goes, okay, God, so what are you up to? Um, I'm cool with doing what you want to do. And I hope that we develop and grow in that, kind of have that tenacity that says, okay, God, wherever the situation that we're at, even if some doors have closed and it really had nothing to do with us, we're still going to listen to you. We're still going to move forward. We're still going to do everything we can. Next slide. The next story, if you want to go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 8. Nope, 9, sorry. The next story is an interesting one. We're going to be in verse 37. It's a failure by his disciples. Really interesting. I, I really like to dissect the story and think about it. But at the beginning of chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12, and it says he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. 
all right? Then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So Jesus has given them power. He's given them authority. Go out and proclaim the kingdom. Heal the sick. In verse 28, I'm just going to kind of build up to this. Jesus transfigures before James and Peter and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration, as we would say. His appearance and his face changed, and his clothes become dazzling white. Elijah and Moses are there. This really incredible experience. I think any of us, I would pay any amount of money to be up on the mountain. (laughs) I'd give it all (laughs) to experience that. Um, But then in verse 37, it says, The next day, so this is right after this takes place, when they came down from the mountain. So as the transfiguration has taken place, this man is trying to get his, his son healed. And the disciples who were not on the mount are, were not able to do it. The next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son because he's my only child. A spirit seizes him. Suddenly he shrieks and it throws him into convulsions until he foams at the mouth severely bruising him. It scarcely leaves him. Could you imagine being a parent and your only child goes into seizures, foams at the mouth, they're bruised up, how helpless that you would probably feel as a parent, how you probably cry yourself to sleep that night. See, this, this father saw that there was hope. Wow, there's these followers of this Jesus and like they're starting to heal people can you come heal my son but in verse 40 it says I begged your disciples to drive it out but they couldn't isn't that interesting Jesus has given them power he's given them authority this message is not about dissecting you know what happened and all that kind of thing but about pointing out that the disciples they failed to release to do what God desired them to do here. And why do, why, do you, why do we know that? Because Jesus heals them. In fact, I know we, always, we, kind of, we, all, we tend to paint Jesus in whatever picture that we like him to be painted. Does, do you ever catch yourself doing that? And sometimes we paint Jesus as maybe he would say, well, sweet baby, I'm so sorry that you all weren't. I mean, he was... He probably would have frustrated us sometimes, and he would always be in the right, and we would always be in the wrong. <laughs> but Jesus' response to them not healing it wasn't, sweet child, I'm so sorry. He said, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I put up with you? <laughs> As a disciple, if I were right then and there, I am trying to become like him. My world is wrapped up in this guy. And he just said, y'all screwed up. <laughs> You are part of a perverse generation. You're full of unbelief. And how long am I going to put up with this generation? How long am I going to put up with, with Israel? And there's more to that, but I'll, just, I'll stop there. And this frustration says that. Bring your son to me, and he heals the son. Sometimes failures are our faults. Sometimes we make mistakes. And I think this is one of the most critical pieces to growing is to admit when you screwed up. Like, it's a huge problem. Like, I, there's, I was thinking of somebody that I, I'm, I won't mention their name, but I don't think anyone in here knows them. But 
uh, constantly struggle in their job and like having entry-level positions. This person is in their 30s now and just can't. But when I see their post and when I talk to them, they're always blaming it on someone else. You ever know, like, and I'm sure that there are times when it is other people's faults, like, right? Like, I'm not saying that it's always your fault. But when I look at it, I'm like, it's impossible for us to grow if we can't admit, hmm, should have done it that way. I'm not calling us to beat ourselves up and to sit around and, you know, but there's times wherever we do need to recognize, all right, I could have done that better. I could have done that better. Maybe in the next approach, even when we do things with Mitchell Nielsen and with Miss Julie, like there'll be times where we're going to go, hmm, okay, we did it that way. Maybe we like the budget class. Maybe we should get to know the guys a little bit better before we do it. And instead of beating ourselves up, learning from those quote unquote failures to move forward. As I said before, the enemy's not just going to lie over and let us just run rampant all over Murfreesboro, do whatever we want. There will be some opposition. And in here, there is spiritual opposition because the reason he shrieked, was, I mean, because he, the reason he convulsed was because there was, there was a demon, actually. It's crazy, huh? Let's go to the next slide. Be pretty quick on the last two here. Go to Mark chapter 8. I enjoy this story because of as much because of how much we love Jesus and look up to him. And there's this story of healing where it seems like there's a initial half failure by the Messiah. <laughs> In verse 22 of Mark 8 it says they came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village. Spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked, do you see anything? I think I would take someone outside the village if I planned on spitting on them too. What do you all think? I mean, I thought to myself that maybe just as simple as Jesus. Number one, Jesus isn't a showman. He wasn't trying to do that. But number two, like if he's going to do something weird, might as well go do it where no one, where fewer people are. That's the story of my life. But he spits on the guy's eyes, and, and he said he looked. And after, okay, we're in verse twenty-four. Sorry, he looked up and said, "I see people. They look like trees walking." Now, while there's tons of examples of Jesus immediately healing people. We don't know that every single time he touched someone or prayed for them, they just bloop, or all of a sudden healed. I think in our imagination, like that's the way we look at things. But here we see a clear place where when he does it, the person isn't all the way healed. Like, and I thought to myself, and the reason I want to use this example is because how many times would I be so excited about this, I wouldn't pray again because, dude, hey, if a blind person can see something after I pray, I'd be pretty darn excited, wouldn't you all? And while we should celebrate these victories, these little victories, the heart of the Father had something more for this blind man, he, and Jesus knew it. And I asked myself, how many times have I celebrated doing some good and failed to finish the Father's will because I was off to something else, or maybe... I was afraid to move forward. Maybe I was afraid to put my heart out a little bit more. Maybe I knew there was a lot more cost. Because Jesus, in this scenario, 
says he placed his hands on him again, and the man received you know, his sight because of that. Jesus said, all right, let's go again. I know what the heart of the Father is. Sometimes conflict, failure can be, eh, we kind of accomplished it, but we didn't fully. And I, I think that that's something that is easy to fall into in a church setting, is to celebrate doing a little good in the community or a little good with a person and fail to recognize, fail to listen to the Lord, fail to pray and to seek and go, God, is this, is this it? Is this the end of this story or is there a whole lot more? We're really good sometimes about going out, some of us, and you know, evangelizing, and then the story just kind of ends because we're just like, well, we celebrate that someone said a sinner's prayer and realize God could be like, whoa, I had so much more for that person. Imagine if Jesus had walked away. The man would have gone on the rest of his life seeing blurry shapes and people looking like trees. But because Jesus knew the heart of the Father and finished completing that, this man was made whole. It's just, it's incredible, isn't it? So the very last type of challenge, conflict, failure I want to talk about today is just go a few verses over to Mark 9.33. They came to Capernaum. You can go to the next slide whenever you want to. When he was in the house, he asked him, what are you arguing? Why, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent because on the way they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. He took a child and had him stand among them and take him in the arms, he said to him, Whoever welcomes one little child, such as this in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but him who sent me. Uh, here's a scenario where the disciples failed to apply Jesus' teachings to their life. <laughs> uh, no doubt this wasn't the first time. I'm sure that Jesus modeled for them and shared with them, listen, be last, serve. If you want to be first, serve. And it's so hard because our fallen nature doesn't have much of a paradigm for serving is actually the greatest thing to do. <laughs> we just, ah, I don't know if we can quite grasp it, so we have to be hit over the head with it over and over and meditate on it to recognize and still recognize, oh my gosh, okay, to be first in the kingdom is to serve. That person who is serving the most is actually first, and the one who's out in front going, look at me, is actually last in the kingdom of God. And even though Jesus un no, undoubtedly, there we go, had <laughs> shared that with them, you see them here, you know, after having power to cast out demons and heal the sick and being and given the, the, the power and given the task to go proclaim the most important message there is, the kingdom of God. They're sitting around arguing with one another about, man, I'll tell you what, Greg, I'm, I'm a little better than you, don't you think? Uh-huh. And Dean's like, you guys are both stupid. I'm better than you guys. Have you, did you not see what I did the other day with that one person? No. Stephen's like, dang it, man, I, did, I gave 1500 bucks the other day. What'd you do? How much did you give in the offering plate? But this failure to apply to his teaching created internal conflict. And sometimes our failures can create, maybe this is the most painful sometimes of conflicts or of failures, is whenever it happens in, as part of the family. 
And these types of things have divided churches and communities for years and years and years and years. We'll get into something. Maybe somebody misunderstands something. Maybe you do understand. We're not applying it. We get into this thing together. Someone argues about, you know, Megan's idea at Mitchell Nielsen and, you know, Danielle Sanders is like, you know, I'm with Megan. Marissa's like, Megan, are you serious? And it causes strife, and it causes conflict, and it hurts. In fact, as I thought about this this morning, I wonder if there are some of us in any of these scenarios, whether it's failure that we didn't have much to do with or our own faults, whether it's maybe not fulfilling the fullness of what God has or having internal strife, if it's caused us to stop participating. I think this is something important for us to look forward in the future and to recognize these things will come, but I also think that it's important for us to evaluate our hearts right now and go, am I just scared to like put my heart back out there? Because guess what? When you have internal conflict, it stinks. It is not fun. <laughs> it's awful. It can be very hurtful. Whenever you screw something up and you know it, it stinks. It's awful. And it can be very hard to pick yourself back up and go, let's do this. So I ask us to just to reflect on that. Greg, do you want to share a little, little story? This is a quick example of something that Greg and I had uh, that took place this week. And I was like, this is perfect. And we'll end with this. John was like, you're a really good example of failure. Let's talk <laughs> about, let's tell everyone. I was like, yeah, let's do I participated it. in this. I participated. Um, this, this one's real simple, but I mean, I think that's often the case. We just kind of go through our days accumulating these little little cuts, just just constantly going, like, that, didn't, that didn't go the way I meant it to, you know? But sometimes it's bigger, and, and you, what you don't know is how big is it? And that's kind of, it wrenches your heart to think like, what are the effects? I don't know. I don't know what I missed here. And that was what it was for me this week. We actually met a new friend. Uh, Julie, Julie uh, picked up uh, Mr. Robert. I got your name right, right? Mr. Robert? Yeah. So, and she just, she swung him by so we could meet him. Um, and while he had been hanging out, he had met another guy who was making his way through town to nowhere in particular. And uh, his name was Andrew. Got that right, I think. Andrew. And, um, and Andrew, uh, Robert, he had a very compassionate instinct. And he knew that Andrew needed some help sort of sorting out what, what, what's happening tonight. Where are you going to be? Where are you going to land? Uh, what's the plan? And, and so he was trying to kind of help sort him out. And, and so Miss Julie was trying to kind of help sort him out and brought him over. And we were over at Taylor Place. And just wanted to introduce him to, to me and John, and, and so we had an interesting exchange, and you know, Andrew's, he's, he's struggling, M maybe there's some um, uh, drug use there, maybe there's just some mental illness there, maybe both, right, but he's, he's having a hard time making a good plan for the end of his day, okay, and, and we wanted to, you know, it's like, well, uh, Julie's really good. She she kind of figures out. She knows where where here are your options, and we talk him through a bunch of options. And finally, he he finds the one that he likes. Okay, so we have a plan now. And and of course, the whole time I'm 
sitting there thinking, um, what difference is it going to make to this man that he spoke with us today, right? What, what difference is it going to make? And I was thinking, I, I guess we just, we have to pray with him. Um, I, I guess we have to intervene on his behalf. I, I don't know what else is in our power to do that would truly make a, a spiritual difference in his life. But I want that. I, I certainly need that. And I want that for him, too. And, and I was struggling with that. And so we, we okay, we're going to pray when we end. Well, it turns out he was very excited to lead the prayer for us. Okay, so he was, he was very excited. So he led the prayer for us. And we said, okay, sure, you want to lead the prayer? And he led the prayer. But as the prayer was going on, something that he said was ringing in my ears. Because he was, he was real hesitant to kind of spell out in very clear terms what he was struggling with. He didn't really want to tell us exactly what was going on. Uh, but at one point, he said, uh, I just got to get out of these chains. I just got to get out of these chains. And as he's praying, that, is, that, is, that phrase is ringing in my ears. And I'm thinking, man, what kind of captivity are you in? What's got a hold of you? Because this is a serious situation. I mean, I mean, Andrew's struggling. He was, he was, have, he was having a rough day. And, and I, you know, I'm praying for him, but I'm also, I'm also thinking, and I have no experience. I don't, listen, um, like many of you, you know, I, I grew up in a place where t- to talk about demons and possession and spiritual influences and forces in our life is awkward at best, right? Awkward at best as an explanation for things. Um, but I've learned better, at least in my head. At least in my head, I've learned better. I've learned that, you know, you read Luke 13 and you see Jesus look at a woman who has a physical condition. She's been bent over for 18 years. She has maybe scoliosis is what we would diagnose it as, right? So, so she's crippled. She's bent way over. Has a, a terribly painful life because of that. And Jesus' diagnosis is... Satan has bound this woman for 18 years. She's bound. Bound by some kind of chains, right? And here's Andrew, and he's saying, I'm, I'm, i got to get out of these chains. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about that. And I let the moment pass. I had a prompting. I had, I had a sense, you know, I probably need to ask John if we could just pray for this man to be lived, to put our hands on him and pray for him to be set free from the thing that he told us is happening in his life. And I said nothing. Because whether because of that awkwardness or just not knowing, inexperience, fear, I, I, all of it, I don't know. But it was one of those moments where you get, you get a sense, this is, you need to, you need to step you need, to, you need to obey. You need to do something right here. You know what it is. And we just shook hands, and off he went with Miss Julie to get settled for the evening. And so later that night, I, we, were, we were back up. A few, a few hours later, we were back up at Taylor Place for our Wednesday night study, and I just had to confess. I told I said, guys, I, I, I think I blew it. I think I missed an opportunity 
I think I was not paying attention. And uh, anyway, that was my failure for, well, that was one of them for the week. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you. It was, it was definitely all Greg's fault. So that's why I had him share. But as, as he shared that, like, um, you ever have those, those moments? Like, you didn't, didn't expect someone to come in and say some of those things. You ever have those deer in a headlight? Like, you're kind of like, oh, wow, okay, something's going on here. And then you just kind of freeze up a little bit. Is it, I'm like, me and Greg are like the only ones that do that. Okay, yeah. And I, as I reflected on me personally, I recognize that I'm a little out of practice in some of that. Like, there was a time where, like, I was, <laughs> there was a lot of that stuff going on, and I was going out to bars. You know what I mean? I was just engaging in different things, and, like, I w- and I just went, you know, man, I've been, been a little too cushy lately, a little bit less, not, not, enough, uh, not enough risk in being out there, and, and uh, yeah, so it was, it's a learning. But Julie said that there was some good stuff that came out of that, right, Julie? I'll, hold up, you got to have a microphone so they can, they can hear you real quick. Awesome. God. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you for sharing that, Julie. God can use us even whenever we feel like we've <laughs> screwed up. That's one thing I've just noticed is God would just about use anyone who's available, who's willing to try. He'll use our mistakes or our uh Maybe we don't word things exactly right or whatever, and he'd do really good stuff with it. Spirit is backing me up, to beckoning me to share this with you, my interpretation. When Jesus came down off that mountain of transfiguration and they asked him to heal the, heal the guy, He went right away and he did it. He did what they couldn't do. And when they when he they got him off into the house, they asked him, Why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we do that just like you did? His answer was because of your unbelief. Not that they didn't have belief. They believed. But they didn't have belief. He, as a matter of fact, the answer was, this kind does not come forth without prayer and fasting. Not that the demons wouldn't come forth without prayer and fasting. 
But that kind of faith that he had doesn't come forth without prayer and fasting. So let's not beat ourselves up. It might take a little bit more of acting like Jesus. Go through some prayer and fasting. You're going to be healed. In Jesus' name. Prayer and fasting. It's a perfect little segue to, I'm going to read a couple, two things and we're done. Very short things. Those disciples who dropped the ball there after Jesus is resurrected, uh, Acts 2.43, we've all probably have memorized, but memorized, we've probably all read before. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed through the hands of the apostles. <clears throat> Those guys who dropped the ball because they asked Jesus, because they were teachable in that moment, <clears throat> It's recorded later, later that people were in awe at the wonders and signs that were coming out, that were being performed. Acts 5, 12 says, many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. So there's these people who made a mistake. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, but people spoke well of them. Believers, like, and look at this, believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, which wouldn't have happened if they would have quit. And said, well, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. I love verse 16. In addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were, who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. They became, they went from this mistake to being a beacon of light for the surrounding area where people were, could you imagine, man, there's a community of Stones River where there's just, man, people are getting healed, relationships are getting restored, you know, all these things, and that's, that's a, a desire, a desire for us to keep growing up in the Lord, right, Chuck? That's it, every day. Uh, Father, we thank you for being real with us in the scriptures? I do. Father, seriously, I thank you that you show us the mistakes, the conflicts, the failures, how they overcome, Father. I pray that we, as a people, would be vulnerable to share with others our mistakes, our failures, the things that we have grown from, Father. And I pray that you would make us and help us to be a tenacious people, a people who are just so set on... Uh, living out this incredible news of the kingdom of God that when we do make mistakes or when things don't go quite the way that we think that they should go, that we don't give up, that we don't stop, that we learn, that we continue to grow. And Father, I just pray that every one of us here would continue to, just to grow up into you, that, as, uh, that we would, Lord, be your body, like for real, Lord, that we would really reflect your image, that we would really show people what it's like when people encounter us, they would encounter the risen Christ. And when people come our way, like Greg was teaching, that, they would, that it would be an encounter with God. And I thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Do you want to stand up and sing with us? We're going to do a closing chorus of what we opened with.